For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. In today's podcast, we're talking about our broken public works law here in New York State and what the labor movement is doing to fix that. Joining me on the podcast to talk about the definition of public works and New York State's prevailing wage law is Pat Purcell, who's the executive director of Greater New York Lesset, or Laborers, Employers, Cooperation and Education Trust, which is essentially a jointly trusted labor management fund. Right, Pat? So, Pat, thank you for joining us, and and I want to welcome you to the podcast. very much. And that was a mouthful, me explaining with Lessip. So maybe we should just start. Can you tell us who does Lessip represent? Sure. Yeah, it does make for a very large business card. Um, <laughs> basically, what we are is out of Layuna. Layuna has labor management funds. And those labor management funds' main thing is to work with both our signatory unionized contractors and the unions uh, that supply the workers to make sure that we're doing everything we can to maximize the amount of work that they get. Um, so in this case, uh, you know, I happen to represent over 1,700 contractors in addition to the over 10,000 workers um, uh, in New York City. And then, of course, statewide, we have over 40,000 members and, uh, you know, several thousand uh, contractors. Okay, great. Thank you. And I um, started the program by talking about the broken public works law, but really we should probably talk start by um, explaining prevailing wage, which is included in our state constitution. But let's start there. What is prevailing wage? Sure. Prevailing wage just basically says that, uh, you know, where there's um, public dollars being used, where the legislation would require it. it. It is a wage that is set by the comptroller's office that sets what the wage is in that area. Mm-hmm. In most cases, because if you take a look at all the construction that's going on out there, the non-union construction is very, very uh, low, no benefits, what have you. But obviously the elected officials want to make sure that they maximize um, the, the positives coming out of doing legislation and, and involving uh, public dollars and what have you. So the prevailing wage is then set by the comptroller, and that wage is required to be paid. Um, and depending on what the position is at the at the site, that is a required wage to be paid um, for that work. Okay, and then we should clarify. So that doesn't mean it's only for union workers. It's more up no. to that union wage with those benefits, but it could be for anybody who's working on the project, union or or non-union. That's funny. That's the interesting thing. And whenever we're talking to elected officials, we remind them that doesn't, this does not guarantee union. It does not guarantee union labor. It guarantees that whoever ultimately is bidding for the job, we're all bidding on the same rate when it comes to the pay. And we say it all the time, the, the reason more non-union companies don't take the prevailing job is because they're already paying their workers a lot less. And they simply choose to not, you know, uh, take on jobs that require paying fair wages, paying fair health insurance, and those types of things. They don't want to do that. Um, so that's why they don't get involved. But whether you're union or non-union, you have an absolute right to bid on that job. 
Right. And so the whole point is so that you have a workforce who can have that pathway to middle the middle class and that they can pump this their wages they're going to be spending on the local economy. Right. Because we all yep. see these construction projects with the out of state plates coming in. And uh, that was yep. the whole point of establishing the prevailing wage. So then let's go from there to the definition of public works, which is what we're talking about and trying to change uh, with this legislation. Right. I mean, basically, at the end of the day, public works, in its simplest form, and what it was intended for by, you know, the, the history of the legislation and what happened, is to say, when public dollars are being used, there should be a prevailing wage on that job. So public dollars, tax dollars, what have you, are not subsidizing low wages and no benefits. And then what... At the end of the day, that's what a public works is. Any project that involves receiving a subsidy, receiving money from the state, it's, you know, however they do it, that would trigger public works in in its cleanest form. And that's where the issue comes in, right? Because it's not, because now we do have public-private partnerships. Um, this legislation would broaden that out, as have several other states. Yeah, I mean, the court system has been horrible on this, and it's just found every time it finds an opportunity to say for a variety of reasons why something wouldn't be public works um, and prevailing wage doesn't kick in, they, they've found a way. They've just simply found ways to, to, to do this, um, and we had made no traction in the past on correcting that with the uh, previous Republican um, uh, Senate. Um, so... It really is kind of a – it's a crazy thing that's been incorporated, and we need to get there in with the bill, and we need to take back that area that we used to have and make sure that we are starting to move forward as, as opposed to constantly being a defense. The courts is no place to get a problem solved. And what did happen with the courts then? It was really just being watered down piece by piece, right, that they were trying yeah, to – It all depended on the project and uh, – you know, if you were going to build something, I'll give you just an example. If you were going to build something and then you chose after finishing your multi-billion dollar project that you were going to then, let's say, lease it back to the city, that that entire project then would no longer be covered under the prevailing wage because they've determined that um, uh, leasebacks are not covered under prevailing wage. Right. So they're just finding different ways then to go ahead and uh, reduce their yeah. overall cost, their profits from it. Absolutely. Or increase their profits, rather, and reduce their cost well, out to paying wages. Obviously, they want to increase their profits. And, and uh, you know, again, the courts have just, you know, have not been helpful on this. And, uh, you know, they'd rather continue bringing in their out-of-state workers and what have you. And, you know, we need to get in there and fix it. At the end of the day, taxpayer dollars that are being used to help any employer – um, should be done in a way that also benefits the public. So what is your response then to critics who describe prevailing wage as job-destroying cost escalators on these projects? What do you say to that? So um, and I'm not being, you know, um, it's just when I say this, whenever any law or anything out there intends to raise what tends to raise wages, that's what the goal is, whether it's increasing minimum wage or expanding prevailing wage, um, 
you know, there'll be locusts, there'll be famine, you know, the end of the world as we know it will come, will, will come, you know, business will cease to operate and, you know, we'll become a vast wasteland. That's what they do every single time we try to raise wages anywhere, mm-hmm. whether it's the minimum wage, whether it's the prevailing wage, whether it's the living wage. Every one of these folks will always oppose that. There is nothing behind it to say this, this is true. There's nothing to say that there will be less jobs. It's ridiculous to say there'll be less jobs. Why would we want to push legislation that reduces jobs that we can get on? You know, and we've said this before, time and time when we've said them uh, before. It's just a scare tactic they use. They used it with the minimum wage. They're still trying to use it with the minimum wage. Um, they simply want to be able to take the tax breaks and pocket the profits. That's all that this is about. That's all this is about, and they know that they can do it because they do other – many of these developers do um, pro, uh, public works projects. So they know that they can do it. Does that mean they don't get a big profit possibly? Possibly, mm-hmm. yes. Does that mean they're still going to make money? Absolutely. There's never been a job, a public job that sat there and went nowhere because they couldn't find someone to work on it. Mm-hmm. So, is so what- I would just say that you know it's based on – it's not based on anything other than a scare tactic, and that's it. And there have been studies that have been done that point out about the multiplier effect. Can you talk, speak to that a little bit? And the end, and really sure. with the whole, you kind of get what you pay for, right? You're getting skilled, more experienced workforce. There's going to, uh, it'll be safer. So in the end, that's where that would uh, level out, I would imagine, is one of your points you try to make as, as far as the cost. When you're paying for those higher skilled workforce, you're going to get a project that's done on time and with less do-overs and that type of thing. I think what we're looking for here, doing another uh, other different way, but one of the things we're basically talking about is, you know, how do you, how do you create an atmosphere for a responsible contractor to take the job? And that's what we're looking for at the end of the day, a responsible contractor to be on that job. As you said, it could be non-union, it could be union. At the end of the day, though, we need to have responsible contractors on these jobs. The reason that we don't is they have folks that aren't, don't have the training our folks have. They don't have the years experience that our folks have. They don't build, we come in on time. They're continually and habitually late. That costs money. Safety is a big issue. We've lost over 50 workers in the last three years in New York City alone to construction fatalities. We have better safety training when it comes to that. There is a million reasons um, why, in addition to the prevailing wage, why um, this is a benefit. Least of all, the fact that they bring people in from out of state to do these jobs now, too. Because no one in New York in the area is going to fall for paying, you know, $10 an hour for a job. Other folks are getting $40 an hour plus benefit. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got to actually bring them in from out of state because they're happy to take the 10 bucks and 11 bucks an hour. Uh, so, again, that's another thing, too, is it's a job creator. There's just many, many benefits to it. And the, the negatives, uh, as they would put out there, simply aren't true, whether it's the MWBEs or the issue of diversity. It's simply not true. It's common sense um, that these will create more jobs, and better paying jobs. And then we're also hearing the uh, other side talk about the expansion will jeopardize affordable housing production as well. So we all know, I mean, the labor movement has been very upfront. The construction trades have been very upfront. 
with an understanding that there is a certain amount of affordable housing that simply at this point would not get done union. Um, we are more than happy to engage in that conversation, and I think we're very, very flexible on that. I think that's another scare tactic. Every time somebody goes to do something, they're going to say, that'll produce less affordable housing. We go to improve wages, that'll produce whatever it is that gets done to, 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 to shake the equation that these developers have to maximize their billions. Anytime something like that comes in, uh, anything that might reduce that, they're going to always be screaming about it. And that's just the way that, the way that goes. As for the affordable housing, to be very clear, we are more than welcome. We have already been meeting with, with the affordable housing folks. Bill, the, um, this is not an affordable housing bill. This is a prevailing wage public works bill. And one of the things we're going to try to make sure we accomplish in the affordable housing piece is that when you put in uh, condos, it's $100,000. Um, let's just say is the what you would need, you know, the um, AMI they call it the, the middle uh, income. Mm-hmm. That's not affordable housing. Three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars is not affordable. Housing. No, not in my book, it's not. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, it's funny. I saw a commercial the other night. You know, uh, for an apartment complex in Brooklyn. You know, starting at eight hundred thousand, going up, and it actually promotes a, a twenty-five million dollar. Uh, a rebate program that'll go on for 25 years. So these people actually, uh, you know, will be paying minimal taxes in some of these complexes. Mm-hmm. So our thing is this. We don't want to affect affordable housing. We need more affordable housing. Our members live in that affordable housing. Um, we want to make sure that certain things that are built, that if the people in the, in the construction trades union are going to build these things, it should be that they should be able to live in them. Mm-hmm. And when they price people out at the end of the day, that's where we're going to say, no, that's where you do need to have prevailing wage. And we know what that is, and they know what it looks like, and it would probably take us 15 minutes to come to an agreement on how we protect a certain area of housing being built, that it should be built with prevailing wage, but that we also understand there's another piece that just really isn't the work that we do. So how are you feeling um, at this point in this session right now about this uh, moving forward? Uh, listen, I feel very good about this. I mean, I think this one of the things that we did that was very smart that uh, President Salento and, and others did that I think was very smart was to fight the first battle, which was to try to get this done in the budget. Mm-hmm. And I think they, despite the fact that we didn't accomplish that, we actually did accomplish a lot um, of other important things. So, for example, we don't know who the enemy is because they came at us and they had to come out of us early. We now also know that we're going to be getting into this, trying to get this accomplished, while some of the organizations that fought us will be focused on other things like rent regulations and things like that. But we now know what their messaging is so we can actually gather the data to prove that their messaging is wrong. So I actually feel very good about the fact that we, we fought it in the, in the budget, mm-hmm. didn't quite make it there. And I do believe, uh, quite honestly, that we will. I think the governor is committed to getting this done, and I know the assembly is committed to getting this done, and I believe the Senate is, uh, you know, the Senate's new. They've got some things that they're trying to figure out, but I don't doubt that for one second that um, they're just figuring out how to make sure that they get this done with the most support from their conference. Um, which I think that's not going to be a problem either. This, I believe very, very strongly this is going to get done before end of session. That's great. And um, so, uh, Pat, what can our members or our supporters do to show their support for this legislation? What would you recommend? How, the, how can they get involved and help us with this fight? 
Well, listen, the whole world's very busy, right? And we know that. Um, what I would simply say, if you're a union member and you're part of the construction trades, when you see there's going to be a rally, attend that rally. That's one of the best things anybody can do. Um, also, if you're a union member, uh, talk to your neighbors. Make sure your neighbors understand because it's getting more media. Make sure your neighbors understand what you're trying to accomplish. Um, what I would also say, if they have access and they know how to pick up the phone and call their local assemblyman or senator, call them. Let them know that you have a, you're interested in this. Where is this going to end up? Where is this going to um, – how are we going to get this thing solved? So I would say any form of activism to show their interest, talking to a neighbor, calling up a legislator, whatever it is, attending the rallies, those are the things that we need to get this thing over the, over the hump. That's the key. Um, I've seen uh, more letters to the editor uh, pop up, too, in support of this. And in fact, even in the Albany Times Union, they had an editorial, uh, I think it was just last week, supporting this as well, which was refreshing to see. So people can share that. And we're going to include in our show notes, uh, you know, just some um, more explanation on what this is all about. So people will have that knowledge when they're reaching out to their uh, lawmaker. And we'll tell them about a a text program um, that we set up as well. And I know our digital director, Kevin, is going to explain that at the end of the show so we could get more people involved. So, Pat, I just want to uh, thank you for breaking this all down for us. We really appreciate it. This is very important and a priority for us here at the New York State AFL-CIO. And, and thank you very much for being part of the program today. I really appreciate it. This, um, this will never get done uh, without the incredible uh, effort that's being made by yourself and the staff at the AFL-CIO, President Salento, uh, and, you know, especially I'm going to throw an extra um, flowers to uh, Mike Neidl, the legislative director. It's an amazing team you have over there, and uh, this can't get done without you, and that's why we know we're going to get it done. Well, thank you, Pat. We appreciate that and all the hard work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for having me on. Joining me now on the podcast is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. We just heard Pat go through some different ways that people can get involved in uh, how they can help push this legislation through. Um, Where else can we uh, direct people so they can get information to fully understand what this bill will do? So on our website, nysaflcio.org, for the show notes, we'll have all the information right there. We'll have a link to the report uh, for people to really get into the details. But, you know, as you mentioned, the, the easiest way or one of the best ways to, to get this bill passed is to contact your senator or your assemblyman. Uh, we have a system that uh, people can use. All you have to do is take out your phone and text Public Works to 877-877. Once you text that, you'll be connected to your senator uh, and your assembly person, and you can uh, leave them a message, let them know why it's important that they pass Public Works. And then when we go to do the lobbying, um, you know, we bring those information of how many callers were there so that they can't say nobody was talking to them. So it's very, very important to do. Okay, great. And now this is our eighth episode on the Union Strong podcast. We're pretty excited about that. Um, But we're also excited because today we got our hats. We got our hats, Union Strong hats. Um, And let's tell folks what we're trying to do with the the hat giveaway. So if you go to uh, Union Strong NY. Org. We have uh, the hats available. You just fill out a form, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll ship them right out. The first hats are going to start getting to people by hopefully the end of the week. Uh, so we'll be excited. If you get your hat, 
Uh, make sure you go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, tag us in it, show us your Union Strong hat. We'd love to share it. That's a great idea. And we have a limited amount. These are limited edition hats. So right. you've got to make sure you subscribe and sign up for that, and, and we'll get those to you. Great. Thank you very much, Kevin. In the meantime, stay union and stay strong.